Welcome to Not A Grindy Outdoors. Kyle Jackson here with Rodney Wood. We are talking about scouting. For deer. For the deers, bro. The deers. Mule deers. <clears throat> Maybe a whitetail. Maybe. Kind of depends. So this year we drew <clears throat> GMU 58 for mule deer. Well, for a forked antler deer. A one forked antler deer. That's what our license says. Mm-hmm. And we will hold it to that. Right. <laughs> we'll tie it around its antlers, what I'm going to do. <laughs> well, one around the antler, one around the carcass. Yeah. yeah. See, we this. So what happened? We, we screamed and whined and kicked and moaned and complained to bring back the carcass tag. And rather than bringing back a carcass tag, they brought back... Two carcass tags. No, we brought back, they brought back a carcass tag and a antler tag. And a, yeah, yeah, whatever. So, we got two tags now <laughs> after just wanting one back. Well, it makes it handy that way if you split the head from the body, then you can have one on each. Shut up. <laughs> Would you rather have the old paper bag where you just sign it? No, I'm just I'm just talking trash because that's what I like to do. Uh -huh. uh, okay. Yes, yes, we're scouting for deer. Isn't that what we're supposed to be talking about? Yes, that right. is what we're supposed to be talking about. We did some deer squirrel. Yeah, squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> we we <laughs> we um, what did we do yesterday? Scouting for deer. Well, yeah, we scouted for deer. Squirrel! Uh, <laughs> we, we drove up to Unit 58 north of Clayton. Did a little bit of scouting. Yep. Um, well, <clears throat> so that unit, yeah. that unit follows, uh, the I guess, the far west, east side is, is Clayton, the Oklahoma line. Um, but it follows the southern boundary is 6487 from Raton to Clayton. Mm -hmm. And then at Capulin, the highway that goes north to Folsom, mm -hmm. is the east western boundary. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you follow that into Tollgate Canyon, which goes up into Colorado. Uh, and then the Colorado border is the northern boundary. Correct. And so all that country is 58, and it's a bunch of country. Uh, took bunch us country, how, how long? Two two hours from the house here. A little bit more than two. A little bit more than two hours, wasn't it? To get to where we were looking. Yeah. Um, Not to actually get the to the unit from here is probably an hour. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it's checkerboarded. Very much so. Um, and one of the big debates going on right now. Um, is that exactly checkerboarded private land, landlocking, public land? Um, here in New Mexico, it is in fact illegal to corner cross. So, funny story about that. <clears throat> it's not actually, there's not actually a definite answer about that. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Trespass is if you read, um, if you read about trespass, and actually let me bring it up so I can actually get the correct verbiage here. Um, 
But talk real quick while I'm pulling this up. Talk real quick about the debate, the two sides. So yeah, so what you have is uh, state land is it's state trust land. It was given to the states for schools for funding to help fund schools. Yes, it is. They are called school sections. Yes, school sections. It is um, leased by the New Mexico Department of Game and Fish. So, yeah, it's not actually... And, and we were going to cover this in our... And we still will. Yeah. In, still in more will. depth. But yeah. it, it's not yeah. true public land. No, it's not. It belongs to the state. We, The Department of Game and Fish pays the state for... The public to be the state allowed land office. to hunt yeah. on state land. So there are different leases that can happen on mm-hmm. that. There's a business lease for like mineral rights, things like that. There's the grazing lease that uh, most of the rancher, you know, most of the ranchers have grazing leases. They're a part, uh, not a part, but they include them in their ranch boundaries mm-hmm. because that's part of their right. what they graze. And then the game and fish. Leases the hunting, right. fishing, trapping rights on the yeah. on the state. Property. So, so what happens is you get this checkerboarded effect of state and private land. Because in over unit, over time, hunting, there is no um, BLM. It's all it's it's it. Well, there's there's a little no bit of forest, but there's no significant BLM or forest land. It's all pretty much state or private. So. Over time, you even end up with this through through transactions and through sales, land swaps, land swaps stuff like this. You end up with this checkerboarded um, landscape of private and public land, uh, state land, not technically public, so private and state land. And then, if there's not a county road or access to this state land, um, you can't get to it. It's landlocked. Yeah, it's landlocked. And, because of trespass and virtually useless to the public. So here we are um, paying money to basically rent land that we, the public, can't use. Correct. Uh, so it's creating a very sensitive issue. Now the private landowners they have some rights as well because they own the private land surrounding that. But it, like I said, it does create some issues uh, when access is a problem. Um, there's those that believe that you know these private landowners now have this state land as their own little private hunting grounds that they're the only ones that can use. Well, they can't technically use it unless and, they have a public draw tag. Well, so. And that's that's where you know this whole debate, and we've tried to cover these public meetings of E plus A plus, you know the A plus mm-hmm. system. This was the last year that the A plus system is going to work like it has for the last little while, where you're assigned to a ranch, and that on that ranch you get to hunt both the public and the private. Yeah. And so the tags were allocated. If you had ten, let's, for argument's sake. Let's just pick a random number. If you had 10,000 acres mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, th- uh, 8,000 of those were uh, deeded, 2,000 of that was state. Let's say you got four tags. Three of them are going to put private. One of those tags is going to be a state hunter. Yeah. But the benefit to that system was that the state public hunter 
got to hunt the entire ranch just like the private hunters. Exactly. And the private hunter got to write, hunt the state land just like the public hunter. Now That's a, changing. Now it's going to be a public draw, and you might draw a tag but for that public land, for that state land, but you won't be able to access it. No, you won't be able to access it because we no longer have that contract with that landowner right. to access now, that. And now that's antelope, and what we're talking about today is deer. Deer didn't have, deer has always been this way. It's yes. always been this way, so... Um, it's always, you know, one of the reasons that I hated to see the, the A plus go away. Um, but, um, you know, that's the issue is that you've got these, you know, there, I don't know what the exact numbers are, but let's just throw an arbitrary number that this is not the real number, but you know, there may be, you know, let's say 150 sections of state land in that unit and we're only going to have access to you know a portion of it so i'll give you i i know i for for a fact know the number that is publicly accessible in 58 simply because when they did the antelope system mm -hmm. they used 58 as an example 18 percent of the land mass mm -hmm. in unit 58 is publicly accessible land 18 percent. so how much do you know the number of how much of that is state land that we can't access so that doesn't include the state land that we can't access. That is publicly accessible land, eighteen percent. Yeah. So everything that outside of that is either public state land, land that we can't access or private. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I was trying to get at is there's a large chunk of that state land that is completely inaccessible to us as public land hunters because it's surrounded by private. And this is where this checkerboarded corner hopping debate comes in because there's um at certain places at numerous places i should say a corner of state land will touch another corner another corner of state, of state land with the two on either side being private and you can't think of like a chessboard yeah. where you're going from black to black and then the two reds or checkers, whatever it is. So black to black would be state land, and then the two reds on either side are yeah. going to be the private land, and that's what you're looking at. And so the debate is, can you corner cross? So the issue is an extremely muddy issue for the reason that it covers, it, or it falls under both criminal and civil law. Criminal trespass, um, and I'll read it to you from the statute, uh, criminal trespass on private property consists of knowingly entering or remaining upon posted private property without possessing written permission from the owner or person in control of the land, um, or knowingly entering or remaining upon the unposted lands of another, knowing that such consent to enter or remain is denied or withdrawn by the owner and occupant thereof. Criminal trespass also consists of knowingly entering or remaining upon lands owned, operated, or controlled by the state or any of its political subdivisions, knowing that consent to enter or remain has been denied, blah, 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 blah. So, that's those are the two caveats for uh, 
criminal trespass. Either that has to be posted properly, um, and I won't get into that, but there are specific posting requirements. Or if you have been told, yeah, you're not allowed to be here, and you return, then you've knowingly trespassed. The wording in there is very specific. It says entering or remaining upon posted private property. Therein you get into the problems with corner hopping. Mm -hmm. First of all, <clears throat> the technology that we have, while it's fantastic, if you have a GPS, it's really, really awesome. It's fairly specific. However, there is a margin of error. Yes. Uh, most GPS's margin of error is three meters. So you're looking Around. at a yard. And so what I always tell people is, are you certain, how can you be absolutely certain that you are going from this piece to that piece with that margin of error? Secondly, you get into some civil law, which is airspace. Mm-hmm. Because when you own property, you also own a certain amount of airspace. A certain above. amount of airspace above it. <clears throat> Thus, if you corner hop, that is an infinite point. Mm -hmm. And so there is absolutely no way that you can get yourself skinny enough to not violate the airspace of the two pieces of private on either side. Correct. Having gotten extremely technical with you guys on this. Who's going to know? Yeah, and, and I get that. I get that. But they're going to know. Here, here's how they're going to know. They're going to know if you get found on a piece of state that there's no public access to. That's how they're going to know. They're going to know that you had to cross private to get on it. Correct. Um, I think where, where the public landowners, um, again, you know, state is not publicly owned but public landowners the problem they have is we're not trying to hunt on the private we're simply wanting to access what we've paid for yeah um and private landowners their issue is the the people that trash their private land that leave gates open um cut fences you know things like that. So, so there's there's valid points on both sides, and uh, we need to work as as hunters, as outdoorsmen, as conservationists. We need to work to be um, aware of the rights of the private landowners and their concerns. We need to be respectful. We need to, when given permission, um, or even when we have public access through private property, be respectful. Take care of their land. If you find a gate open, leave it open. If you find a gate shut, leave it shut. You know, go through, shut it. Um, if you find a gate open that you think should be closed, contact the landowner. Let them know. These are the kind of things that build positive relationships between hunters and private landowners. And that's something that absolutely needs to happen if we're to repair and move forward with this issue. Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing how far we've come. And and to in, in my mind, 
we should be we should be kind of arm in arm with those private landowners because oftentimes we're on the same side of issues when it yeah. comes to legis. We, we've talked about this in previous podcasts. When it comes to legislative issues, when it comes to having the clout to keep um, the rights that we have, mm-hmm. most often landowners and and hunters are on the same side. Yet we continue to butt heads and fight and fight and fight. And we need to repair that. We need to create goodwill. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying it all has to come from, from hunters. It doesn't no. because there mm-hmm. are landowners out there who treat that state property as their own. Yes. And that you as a hunter absolutely have to know you're right and be able to fight for it. Um, I, you know, one of my officers was hunting antelope a couple of years ago and we always have problems with this specific landowner and it's been addressed numerous times, but he was out there hunting antelope and the landowner come out and said, this is private property. You can't be here. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, and and, I, and, I and he said, "Well, let's. This is this is state land. I can't absolutely be here." And the landowner said, "I'm going to call the game warden." And uh, he said, "All right, go ahead." And he called the game warden, and his phone rang in his pocket. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and that and that absolutely happens. It is not just on hunters. It is on us private land on the private not us. I don't own private land, but it is also on the private landowners. There are a lot of private landowners. That, like you said, they take advantage of it. They've got these large chunks of state BLM forest land that that are are surrounded by private. They treat it as their own private playground, um, and that that rubs us public landowners the wrong way. There are private landowners with deep pockets who have gotten county roads closed. We ran into that on our scout. Yeah, we did, and um, and that. You know, when you cut off access to public land, that's when us, we public landowners, start to get mad, frustrated, and 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 speak out a lot more. And I'm not saying I'm not saying stop, please. You know, I mean, you know, if they're trying to close a county road, fight to keep it open because we don't want them closing access to more public lands because that that just hurts us. So you know, but when you are on private land either crossing or allowed to hunt on it be respectful and take care of it yeah even if it let's say a county road goes through private property mm-hmm. don't be throwing respect your trash that out. don't throw your trash out don't be you know driving off into their pastures uh-huh. uh, all that stuff just just there needs to be mutual respect on both sides we need to come back together we try and do that as much as we can yeah. Um, you know I know a lot of landowners uh, Rodney knows a lot of landowners and while uh, we don't, uh, we don't necessarily hunt all their places. While we don't necessarily have permission to hunt all their places, building those relationships is key. And at least yeah. um, uh, having landowners understand that there are those of us out there who are doing it for the right reasons and on the same side. Yeah. Um, I read an article recently uh, about, um, you know, fair chases through, through the Boone and Crockett Club and how hunters need to start approaching landowners with the fair chase argument that, you know, we're, we're out here to do fair chase. We don't want, we res- want to respect your land and all that. And I think it needs to go a step further. If you're wanting to hunt 
private property, you probably ought to say, hey, is there anything I can do for you? Yes. Can I build some fence? Can I, you know, you know, whatever it is, I, you know, I don't know what your skill levels or what you can do or can't do, but you can always do a little bit of physical labor to earn your keep. Yes, yes, absolutely. And so, anyways, getting back to our our scouting, you know, having talked about some of that stuff, some of the checkerboard that we ran into, yeah. we identified, uh, much like with our with our uh, elk scouting, we identified some areas that we really wanted to look at, and that's what you use that pre-scouting for. Yeah. Uh, that Google Earth, and Rodney's fantastic at that. Uh, you identify some places that you want to go look at. Uh, we did that. Uh, there was a, a big chunk of state land up in the far northeast corner uh, that I wanted to go look at because I thought it had some promise. And we got there. And it does. Mm -hmm. It's got promise. <clears throat> but uh, this is what your ground truthing scouting is for. We feel like it probably doesn't pay off uh, as far as its promise versus the time, the time trap. Yeah, that's one of the things that we're looking at. You know, so this year, and, and you, so all of this stuff is specific. It's not specific to to the hunt. It's specific to you. Specific to what you're doing and how you're going to be able to hunt it. So our scout this year was specific to um, the fact that Kyle's wife is fixing to have her baby and. And we're more than likely going to be hunting from the house um, so we can be close. And so we're going to have to wake up every morning and drive. And we don't want to get up and have a three-hour drive out there, hunt all day, and then have a three-hour drive back. Um, so, like Kyle said, the, the area was good. <clears throat> Looks like it holds some deer. We didn't see a lot of sign. No, but, but but then again, because of the drive, we weren't out there when we yeah. should have been to see deer. We Correct. got there mid-morning. Yeah, yeah, we were there, you know, middle of the day, not much not much action. Um, so also, because they've had rain, there's water in every little coulee, and so you're not going to see the movement that you normally yeah. would. Yeah. Um, and so... So, you know, that deciding factor, you know, is that area... Better enough than other areas to warrant the drive. Our decision on that one was no. Well, and I think what led to some of this was our deer hunt in January in 2B. And we talk about that hunt a lot because I think we learned a lot from that hunt. Mm -hmm. It was a fantastic hunt. Uh, just, just great area. But there were so many deer everywhere, we couldn't decide on where we wanted to hunt. Had we had the time to scout and ground truth like we had wanted to, we'd planned on it, but just Never didn't get around that. to it again. We're everyday guys like you. We got jobs. We got you know yeah. our responsibilities. It's, it's hard and to drive in five hours yeah. to just go to ground truth is tough. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so we didn't get to do that on that hunt, um, and I think it cost us in the 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 area of deciding we're going to stick in this area had we been able to ground truth you know where we were hunting and where we ended up uh you know camping mm -hmm. we would have found that that's where we should have stayed we instead of we what we did we would have never I, I won't say never but we would have probably 
we would have probably never gotten the vehicle and drove anywhere. Yeah. Um, we would have just walked out of camp every morning um, and hunted where, hunted the area that we were camped in. And um, I'm not going to say that we would have been successful, but that would have been our strategy. Yeah. You know, we definitely weren't successful in what we did. Um, we spent a lot of time on the road when we could have been um, using that to uh, better pattern those deer. Yeah, we, we spent a lot of time chasing deer rather than getting in front of them. We, we spent a lot more time behind them than we did in front of them. And the yeah. best way, um, when, you're, when you're doing what we do when we hunt deer, which is you know still hunting and, and spot, stock. spot and stock and ambush hunting, is um, uh, we we spent the majority of the time chasing them from behind, and then that's just not conducive for our style. You no. know, so. and so you know, again, to reiterate kind of what we said in the in the last podcast for scouting elk, we, we don't go scouting to, to identify. We didn't see a single deer on our, we didn't see a deer on our scout, but that doesn't mean that our scouting trip was unsuccessful. No, it was highly successful uh, because we were able to identify areas. So here, here's another factor of this hunt. So this is a rifle hunt, uh, same as our elk hunt, but in this hunt, there's a lot more hunters. Yes. And, the areas that we're going to be hunting, um, kind of like our elk hunt, are, are small. But some of them, um, you have to travel a long ways to get to. Um, and and so, uh, so, so that factors into mm-hmm. where our choice of where we want to hunt. Correct. Because there's one set, there's one place up there where. Um, there's only one place to access it. It's a really long stretch of land, and there's a good possibility that if we get back in there far enough, we're not going to be, around, be other people. around other people. And right. the reason we say that is you kind of get an idea of how people hunt. Archers are hikers. Yes. They have to be. And But for the most part, I'm not saying, I'm not being specific in generalities here, for the most part, Rifle hunters are not going to hike and work as hard as other hunters because they can reach out and touch something a little bit further out there. Right. And don't get a caught lot of road hunters. And, and don't get caught wrong. There are plenty of rifle hunters who hunt, hunt just as hard yeah. and walk just as far as archers or muzzleloader hunters or anything like that. But stereotypes come from truth. Um, there's a lot of road hunters when it comes to rifling. Yeah, because That's what they're gonna do. You don't have to work as hard with a rifle. You can reach out and touch something. You can step out and get off the road. Correct. And and smoke something. Yeah. Uh, and so, but us being primarily uh, interested in archery and muzzleloader, where you have to get close, mm-hmm. we do not mind doing the work. Nope. So we're banking on that stereotype that rifle hunters are generally a little bit lazier, and hoping that we can use that to our advantage to get out past where most of them will be exactly that that's that's exactly it we are lowering the percentage of hunters that that we're going to run into by getting further 
into the wilderness, into the, it's not wilderness area, but, but further away from the roads. And that's just a fact. Yeah. So we're going to, we, we were able to eliminate one area um, that was one of our top three potential areas. Yeah. We were able to find an area that wasn't on our radar. Yeah. And then we were able, able to identify the one of the two remaining uh, pre-scout areas that we want to begin our hunt in. So now we have two areas that we are going to start in. Uh, we haven't made a final decision on. Again, this is can be coming back to now that Rodney's seen that on the ground, seen mm-hmm. what the forage looks like, seen what the terrain looks like, he's going to go back to Google Earth and be like, yeah, this is probably our best bet. Yeah. Because yeah. he's going to identify those habitat uh, type factors that will hopefully lead us to success exactly water cover bedding areas open space forage all of these things i'll I'll get on google earth um, and i'll start identifying some of that and i'll make a determination on which of the two areas that we chose that we're going to actually start in we'll hunt them both unless we get into the first one find three animals yeah get it done you know uh, it's going to be a hard, both of our hunts this year are going to be hard. Um, we're probably not going to have the opportunity at a trophy class elk, but we very well may have the opportunity at a trophy class deer. Yeah. It's very possible. Yeah. I think one of the things, you know, uh, to kind of wrap this up, I think one of the things that I really want to reiterate is um, if you... D- if you're like us and you may not get a, a, a chance to go scout for a week, um, if you go get to scout for a day, for two days, don't feel like your scouting was a failure if you didn't see an animal. Because, for at least for us, that's not what it's about. Mm-mm. We're finding those roads that don't go to anywhere, that we don't need to go down. We're finding the land that looked really good on google earth but Mm -hmm. doesn't look very good you know out in person we're finding you know areas where we're at least seeing archery hunters and so there's a good chance that there's probably going to be uh you know some rifle hunters in there yeah you know we don't have we don't have the time to go out and and set game cameras and pattern these animals and and can you get lucky can you go can you go out there one day pop up in a canyon see a 180 190 inch mule deer and be like yeah that's where i'm going absolutely you can but the majority of these guys that go out and um, have these big animals these large elk these large mule deer uh bear whatever they're hunting pinned down they spend a ton of time you know weeks uh, uh, scouting they put out lots of trail cameras they go to lots of different areas till they finally get something on camera and then they go find it and then they watch it and they they know where it's at and they spend a ton of time in the woods and we don't have that time. We got to spend one day scouting elk, one day scouting deer. And the majority of what we're looking for is access. How are the roads? Um, how long does it take us to get there? You know, we know that there's going to be deer in the area. But we're not looking for a specific one animal you know that's not what we're about here um both me and you want to fill the freezer 
if we get to do that with a large mule deer, we'll definitely do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, again, we, we, we talked about this too. We're in it for the entire experience. Um, and, and that's what we're out there to do is learn the land. Granted, just like uh, the Colin Neblet, you've been in this area. Yeah. Um, so you you know a lot of it. I haven't. So I wanted to get some boots on the ground and see it. Um, and the other factor in, in what we're doing is we're constantly hunting areas that we haven't hunted before. We're not, you know, I spent first 20 years of my life hunting in the exact same spot in the exact same mountains every year. You know, that's what my family did. And I loved it. But now I'm at the point in my my hunting life where I want to branch out. Um, Like we've talked about before, we're wanting to hunt in every unit, every public draw, big game unit in the state. We want to check each one of those off the list. And to do that, we're going to have to hunt in a lot of places we've never hunted before. So the biggest factor for us is... Learning those roads, learning the area, figuring out, you know, how can we get there? You know, we, we did, we talked about 2B. We took a road that took us a full half a day out to an area that led to nowhere. I, there was literally no hunting done because we were trying to get to an area that we never ended up being able to get to. Yeah, The road dead ended on... Uh, well, it washed out. Yeah. Um, and, no, so we had gate. a couple that yeah. one that ended, mm-hmm. and the other one we were trying yeah. to get back, and it had washed out. So it took us. Yeah, and those things, you know, had we been able to get up there and, and, and do a little bit of scouting, maybe we would have taken those trips and found out, okay, this road doesn't go where we think it does, and this road is washed out, and we would have saved those, you know, those two days. And that's what we're doing. Um, and I think I think it was highly successful deer scout because we were able to eliminate that northeast corner that takes so long for us to get to. Um, not saying it's not a good spot; could very well be a great spot. If you're listening and you have a, a hunt and you hit 58 this year, we ain't gonna be up there. So have at it. <laughs> <laughs> and not because, like I said, not because it's not a good spot. It's just it's too far for us to go. There's plenty of other areas that we can hit and not have to go as far. Absolutely. So, man, uh, you guys, this is the type of stuff that we want you to pass on. You you need, you know, don't, obviously, don't give them your whole honey holes, but, but the more you understand, the more you know about uh, what you're hunting, where you're hunting, the more successful you're going to be. And we want everybody to be more successful. Absolutely. Pass that stuff on. Hashtag hunt it forward. Every day. Every day. See you guys next time. Adios. Adios.